Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our Resistance Recap, which is also a little late this week. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long weekend. Charlotte and I both had plans, so we apologize, but we're here and ready to talk about the newest episode of Star Wars Resistance, The Core Problem, which mm, – I'm so excited. <laughs> so good. I got so good. I got to watch it before Charlotte and I was like, girlfriend, get ready. <laughs> I was ready. I was very ready. ready. I prepped her. I prepped her. <laughs> um, but this episode aired on February 17th and it was written by Kevin Burke and Chris the Doc Wyatt. And it was directed it's by – just Doc, not the Doc. But I feel like when you say it, it'd be like Chris the Doc Wyatt because you just say like Chris Doc Wyatt. It makes it sound like his actual middle name is Doc when I, I doubt his middle name is Doc. Okay. What a weird – all right. Go ahead. Continue on. <laughs> <laughs> And it was directed by Saul Ruiz. <laughs> yes, you did it. <laughs> Not without you almost got through with one. It wasn't. I didn't mess it up. I just said it in a different way than you would have said it. All right. True. True. Okay. Well, this episode was really good, and I want to like just dive straight into it because first off, I just have to say we're really nearing the end of Resistance, and it's kind of freaking me out. Things are getting really tense, mm. and we basically only have like four episodes left, oh something like that. Yeah, and it's freaking me out. The day that we recorded this, too, which our friend um, over at the Geeky Bubble podcast, Jonah Marie, she pointed out that it's been exactly a year since the Rebels episodes Jedi Knight and Doom aired, and that, let me tell you, that freaked me the freak out. <laughs> I was like, it's no, been, no, It's been a year. It's been, it's been an entire 365 days since we lost our cool over Rebels. That, the, like, the like, that, whole yeah. last ending chunk of Rebels. So who knows what the last ending chunk of season one of Resistance is going to do. Right. And we're very close. So in our discussion episodes, we go. Th- we have three parts. And in part one, we discuss our highs and lows for the episode. Part two, we talk about the story. And in part three, we talk about characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. All right, welcome to part one where we're talking all about highs and lows. Charlotte, you can go first with your first high. Okay, so my first high is I loved the visual sequence of the gravity well. I thought it could be and it could look really, like, honestly kind of dumb, but I really liked it. And I thought that they really established a lot of tension with the scene. And I loved the way the ships kind of moved through that gravity well. I could watch. Poe and Kaz go through the gravity well like five times, I think, in a row. And I think it would still be just as fun. I, I I don't think it's something we've ever seen in Star Wars before, which is really cool to me. I was trying to think of a place where we might have seen it before, but um, I guess the only thing that's really similar would be a tractor beam. Mm-hmm. But I, I really loved it. I thought it was it's, super cool. It's kind of like this weird combination of like what we see in the force awakens with finn and ray going through like the down starter story but then also what we see in empire strikes back with han and leia and the falcon to like kind of going through these tunnels also kind of mixed with tractor beams and then also um solo and the castle run you know it's like kind of all of these ideas that are meshed and changed to get the gravity well sequence mm-hmm. super super cool Anyway, I like that part a lot, too. Um, I, don't, I don't think I can ever have enough Kaz and Poe. Their episodes always really stand out to me. 
Mm-hmm. My first high of this episode, though, was Kaz, 100%. I loved Kaz throughout this episode, as I do for most episodes, but in particular throughout the core problem. I just – I thought he – I don't know. He just seemed like really mature, but also very much himself too. I loved how he kept the doll with him throughout the episode. I loved him trying to help BB-8, but then getting hit in the head again. Um, <laughs> everything about how he spoke with Poe, I loved. And I don't know. I just thought he was a real standout in this episode. Yeah, I agree. I loved that he kept the doll too. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really great touch. I kept waiting for him to put it down, but he didn't. And mm-hmm. I, I liked that he was clinging to the life on that planet, which I guess was kind of representative of the doll or in the doll. Thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Um, okay, so my second high was the CB23 switcheroo that happened. It reminded me of the droid singing in Rebels a little bit. There was just this kind of great moment where it was crossed over. Like when they both those droids crossed over into – they crossed over into their ships, I – I just it was it was emotional. I couldn't believe that we were saying goodbye to BB-8 in Resistance, um, but I was ready for it. And I really like CB-23, and I think they've done a really good job of building up her character and like making us ready for her to join Kaz, mm-hmm. even though it was sad to leave BB-8. And I thought that sequence was really well done. I also want to shout out our friend Kate, who made an amazing fan video, and you know we love our fan vids. Mm-hmm. Um, all about saying goodbye to BB-8. And I'll, I'll link that in our um, show notes because it, it's really good. It's such a good it's such a good BB-8 video. Um, definitely go and check it out. Yeah, I really liked that whole sequence too. The thing that stood out to me about that sequence was the music in it. Yeah. Um, the music was really lovely as they switched. It was very – it was very galactic. I don't really know how to describe it, but I thought the music worked really well. And we just got to like have this – almost this quiet moment of – just watching this cool thing happen. Uh, I don't really know how to describe it, but I enjoyed it a lot. And I think you made a really good point too, how they've kind of prepared us for CB23 by having her in a couple different episodes when Poe has shown up and kind of prepping us for this moment of goodbye with BB-8. Um, <laughs> Definitely. But my second high was I loved the animation style with all of the lighting in this episode. I thought it was so well done. I mean – from being on that planet, the cord planet, with all of the dark and light and the the shadows and the interplay of the light and shadows across all of her characters and their setting, I thought was really well done. And especially there at the end when Kaz is looking out over the horizon and you see the moon and the clouds and the ocean, I just thought it, it looked so great. I was really impressed. Yeah, you know, there's a there was a really good balance of – this episode, some of the scenes and the locations feeling spooky, but also mm-hmm. kind of mystical and every place kind of had a past. And I thought it, they really did such a good job with the animation style and the design. It was perfect. I really do think that they're pushing the boundaries of what this animation style can look like. Yeah. I keep feeling like it's just getting more and more pretty (laughs) for lack of a better term (laughs) it is it's a really pretty show it definitely had a different feel because in the last poe and kaz episode or one of i think their very first one it was more like horror remember they were on that ship and Mm -hmm. they were running from the the stormtroopers and it was very like scary movie feeling but you're right this one was much more eerie um and a little a little ghostly but also there was you know 
this absence there from where, you know, the the core of the planet had been and the people of the planet too, which like you pointed out, you know, Kaz kind of keeping the doll with him was representative of that too. Mm-hmm. So my low of this episode. I can't believe this is your low. Yeah. Well, I don't really mean it in a negative. I really don't. But I do think this episode was kind of filler. And it's just the nature of the way this episode works because we're gearing up for the finale, which and we're getting so close to The Force Awakens. Um, I don't mean filler in terms of like a real negative. I really don't mean it that way. I mean it as this episode served to do a couple of things. It had to educate Kaz on and educate the audience about what the First Order was doing. And also it had to uh, return BB-8 to Poe and have this last moment with Poe before we see him go off for The Force Awakens, which we all know happens. Um, So I felt like this episode was a bridge between almost two events, and I felt it. But I did really enjoy it. I think bridge is a better term than filler. Well, I just – I think filler is, like, a more known term, but – Bridge yeah. is, is good. But filler has such like a negative connotation with it when we're talking about animation episodes. Mm-hmm. Like the the AP what is it, AP five, the the droid you're referencing earlier who's like singing in the galaxy. Yes. Like people talk about that as a filler episode. Or like even the Purgle episode from Rebels. Everyone, you know, like, oh it's such filler, like it doesn't mean anything. Whereas this episode, you're right, it's set up for a lot of different things, but I don't think that makes it filler. Yeah. I, I mean I think that's fair, but it definitely is a setup. It's a setup episode. Oh, yeah, totally. But I think, yeah, you're right. I think the things they set up, that they set it up well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. I don't necessarily mean it as a negative, but it definitely was something that tripped me up in the episode when I was watching it. So has this not been one of your favorite episodes? No, I wouldn't say that. I don't think it was my favorite episode. I okay. thought a lot of cool stuff that we'll get into um, was discussed, but I think I like the previous episodes better. That's funny. I feel like we've had different favorites throughout this season, which is interesting because usually we're kind of on the same page as far as our favorite episodes for things, as far as like Clone Wars and Rebels have been. But I feel like we've been a little, not off, but we've just had different opinions. Um, I'm going to be honest. I watched this yesterday and I was in kind of a really bad mood. So that could have been (laughs) part of it. And I think I said this last, last episode that I think it's just because of like the environment that we watch something in and why we would respond to it or not. And the, the truth is I love all Star Wars and I love all I've loved every single episode of Resistance. So oh, yeah. I think that maybe my my mood about that is kind of partial because of my own mood. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're allowed to have least favorite episodes, though, this season. Yeah, but I do think that like maybe if we watch them together, like maybe I'd like this episode even more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's and I I think that like if we if we were watching them together and uh, I don't know, I wasn't in a situation where I was in a bad mood. And watching it, <laughs> I don't know. I think that it w- I would probably have liked it better. And that's just on me. And that's just like the bias that we bring to every viewing of every single, every single thing that we watch. Yes. <laughs> in general. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in Star Wars and outside of Star Wars. So my low was that this episode wasn't a full hour because I loved it so much. <laughs> and I just wanted to like hit pause and I wanted the I wanted the planet there on to be like one of those 360 videos where I could just click and drag and see everything that was going on around it. I just I love the the setting. Like I said, I love the animation of the of the cord planet. I thought everything looked amazing. I just wanted to see more of it and spend more time there. So that was my low, which is not really a love at all. 
Okay, let's move on to talk about the story. All right, so welcome to part two, and I'm so excited to ask this question. What's the state of the First Order? Man, have we got a lot to talk about with the First Order. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but first, you know what we need to talk about? Of course. Is the Last Jedi novelization. And <laughs> let's break it out. Let's we have been let's get it going. <laughs> we have been harping on this particular section of the Last Jedi novelization all freaking season long of Resistance, and it has the payday is today for it to all come full circle. So let's just take let's just take a second and read a little chunk out of the Last Jedi novelization. This is from chapter twenty five, page two seventeen of the like first edition hardcover. If if everyone wants to pause and go get their copies too. All right. So, quote. Palpatine had engineered the contingency to simultaneously destroy his empire and ensure its rebirth, ruthlessly winnowing its rank and rebuilding them with who and what survived. The rebuilding was to take place in the unknown regions, secretly explored by imperial scouts and seeded with shipyards, laboratories, and storehouses, an enormously expensive effort that had taken decades and had been kept hidden from all but the elect. But the imperial refugees' military preparations had been insufficient bulwark against the terrors of the unknown regions, gasping the dark grass. Gasping the dark among strange stars, they had come perilously close to destruction, and it had not been military might that had saved them. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Something is going on. And then, now let's compare to some of the quotes that came from this episode. So some of the things that were said within this episode of The Resistance include, the Colossus is not the biggest refueling stop. It's The Colossus, though, is the last stop before the unknown regions. It's crucial for any fleet needing to refuel. Something's happening in the sector of the unknown regions. Also, there was another quote later on where Poe says – this looks like a temple of some kind. You see stuff like this scattered throughout the outer rim sometimes, relics of a bygone era. Things are happening in the unknown regions and we need to pay attention. <laughs> it's so exciting because honestly, it's we can sit here and speculate about this, but we have canon evidence that you know, the first order has been rebuilding in the unknown regions and beyond basically the Colossus. So now we learn that the Colossus is literally the last stop before them. Mm -hmm. So we can connect the dots, which is really exciting that they want the Colossus because it is the last stop mm -hmm. um, of this sort of tirade and what they're creating beyond. Yeah. What's, what's crazy is that they're not just destroying planets, but they're building out in the unknown regions too. And there's also that other quote um, from the Last Jedi novelization where Snoke is talking about forgotten planets and like forgotten temples. Like I can't remember it exactly, mm -hmm. but something like that too, which I thought was really interesting when we come back to Poe's quote where he said, oh, it looks like this is a temple of some kind, which is interesting because I wonder if they had looked at the temple for some kind of force reason or something else and it hadn't been what they needed, so they just destroyed it. Right. And I think that that has been brought up in discussion. So I think that we can guess that – not really guess. I think it's pretty much confirmed that this planet was Tehar, given the fact that the symbol on the temple that was destroyed is the same symbol that Ayla has in – um, when she comes to the Colossus. And mm -hmm. I know that we were speculating about that symbol, which looks pretty Nubian. Um, it looks pretty familiar to us, but also unfamiliar at the same time. So I do wonder, I think that there's so much question about whether Ayla is Force-sensitive or not. Oh, do and you think the doll like is said, Ayla's? 
Yeah, I do. Aww. And I think that um, all of the stuff, it, I mean, if it's not hers, then I, to me, I think it is hers. But um, I guess it could be representative of everything that was before as well. So that I would be fine if it was if it wasn't. But I I do think that there's a good argument for this planet maybe be having force sensitive people on it because of what we've seen from Ayla. Um, so I do wonder what the first order was doing there, and if they were trying to take force sensitive people, destroy force sensitive people, and then they decided to use this planet since they were already taking it over to test their their meth their weapon for the Starkiller base, which obviously they had to core the planet. Jeez, it's so much. It's like taking every single thing from a planet, not just destroying a planet, like they do in. And you hope just like blowing it up. It's like systematic and piece by piece. It's almost worse. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting in the resistance um, recon. And I th- don't think that's the name of it, but that's what I'm going to call it because it's like Rebels Recon. Um, <laughs> I I think they, uh, Justin Ridge, I think, talked about how um, they had taken, and you can see it in the show, they had taken like three separate planets before then mm-hmm. and have destroyed them. And I think it's just almost even worse than the Death Star in taking over a place, a planet, and kind of using it and trying something on it and then just like moving on and leaving it to kind of decay within space. I think that's worse than maybe Ugh. what the Death Star was doing is it's just like it shows such a like a flippant regard for you know life and it to me it just expands the villainy of the first order so much more yeah. that they were just willing to try and try and try to find the perfect planet for their star killer yeah insane it's such an intense brutality Ugh. yeah all of those images of the different planets that had the different stages of destruction or the different like Try one, try number two, try number three. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. it was awful. What I there were a couple of interesting things too to pull from this planet, and not only the symbol from Tehar, but also we see Kaz very visibly cold, um, which makes mm-hmm. sense because the sun is gone. Um, but it's just it's a cool link to the Force Awakens because we know that Ray and Kylo fight in a snow forest at the end of the Force Awakens, obviously, and Kaz here is like very clearly very cold on this planet too. I thought that was like a nice tie-in. Interesting that you think that because I didn't really make that connection. I think that's a fine one, but my thought about that was <laughs> just that fine. because the the well, I, I think it has a little bit more of a function than a tie to uh, Starkiller base. It is cold because the weapon uses the power of the sun. So they've destroyed a bunch of suns to use the weapon so therefore the planets are cold oh yeah i mean that's why i said like the sun is gone so it's cold but i think it's, it's yeah. like a cool tie-in that because i don't think like in the force awakens like yes it's obvious but like things are happening so fast that mm-hmm. you might not put those pieces together immediately um but i think that that's i don't know i thought that was the first thing i thought of when i saw Kaz shivering i was like oh it's cold just like the snow yeah. forest. <laughs> yeah, it really makes you think about the function of the fact that Starkiller Base is like freezing and it's because it's far away from the sun, I guess. Well, even – well, I mean it's harnessing – that's what's interesting is that it's har- – like it's taking in the power of the sun, but it is mm-hmm. cold itself. Right. Mm. Like an icy heart. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Another um, point, this kind of ties into the state of the First Order and the state of the Resistance that I thought was a super interesting tidbit is when Poe first arrives on the Colossus, which, by the way, Kaz is like, how the heck did you sneak onto the Colossus? Like, it's so difficult. And Poe is like, yeah, it's super difficult. But I'm also like, Poe, you're in your Resistance, like, pilot's uniform, why aren't you wearing a disguise? <laughs> you, you know? That was that was definitely a low of the episode for me. Right. And I think that's what I was tripping over. Is I think this episode like weirdly had two functions. And I, I said this in my low. Like, I think that Kaz had to witness the destruction of the First Order. And I had to raise questions for the audience about like how terrible they were being. And like, how does it link to our characters? But it also raised this weird question that kind of bothered me about how they didn't really cover how you get on and off the Colossus. And I guess they're like leading up to a reveal, but it kind of bothered me that that was kind of left unsaid. And it makes me think that it they're leading up to like some crazy reveal about how you get on and off of it. We saw them leave. We saw Kaz and Poe leave the Colossus. We just didn't see Poe get on or Kaz really get back on. Um, yeah, and it was like a, a secret that CB23 yeah. had. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I think I feel like we've seen a couple different ways, like with Sonara, her getting off as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting if it came up again in a later, like right before the end about how they get off. I, I mean, I think you're right. I think it could come into play too when they need to get off and, po- or, and Kaz is like, I know how, CB23 showed me how. Um, yeah, definitely. And that's how they get off. I can definitely see that coming up again. But the thing that was interesting that Poe pointed out or that was pointed out to us through Poe and Kaz's conversation when they're with Jaeger and they're talking about what Kaz has found out is that, you know, Kaz says something to the effect of like the Colossus is crucial for the fleet, like the first order fleet needing to refuel. And Poe is like, what do you mean? What fleet? Like he has no idea mm-hmm. about the first order fleet. And I'm like, Boy, we are so close to the force. The Force Awakens starts tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) What exactly is the Resistance doing? Like, if Kaz is the only person with this information about the fleet, that's crazy to me. Oh my god, you're so right. It is insane. Because I thought I was like, well, maybe Poe is just focusing on Luke Skywalker. Like, that's the only thing that matters like that's all leia has sent him to do but i don't believe that like poe has poe has his hands in a lot of different areas as far as the resistance is concerned he's the one that sent kaz to the colossus in the first place you know um so i don't know it just it blows my mind that the resistant and it emphasizes just how little the resistance knows about what the first order is doing that poe like kaz is the one with the most information here about the first order (laughs) you're so right Oh, man. They're in for a huge surprise when The Force Awakens happens. Yeah, and I think that obviously we're, they're in, a, in for a surprise that we're going to see and we see that on on in the movie. But I can't wait for these characters to realize that. Really? Because I can. Because you know what that realization <laughs> is. It's very sad. It's, I know. How's me and Prime? <laughs> yeah. So the Resistance is kind of just doing their own thing i guess that they're like what's the state of the resistance caitlin is that they don't know what they're doing they they are about to be blindsided which is the point it's just such an interesting place for an animated show to be in where right now we know that the evil side has the upper hand and is just getting stronger and our main protagonist 
kind of is the only one with knowledge of that. And also the side that he roots for is like truly the underdog, like in so many ways. Yeah. And it it's such a it's a it's a weird predicament predicament to be in because as an audience, we know that they're not going to win. Well, I wonder, I mean I Well, mean- in this in the battle of Starkiller base like actually working oh, yeah. and blowing up Hosnian Prime. I'm just like I'm so I'm trying now to think about where our timeline goes next because there's only I mean if Poe is really going to Jakku tomorrow as he says and unless like if we find out next episode that that trip has actually been delayed and so they're kind of building more time into the show you know what I mean but if he's actually going to Jakku in the next like week or so in resistance timeline that will take us through the end of the first season and then we start back up again in the fall and what we're in the last jedi timeline for like four days <laughs> um unless i don't know unless they come out with how far unless like in part of the episode nine promo something we see at celebration where they're like yes episode nine is taking place six months one year 17 years after the events of the last jedi like if they come out with that, then we've got time built into what's going to be happening in the show Resistance during the fall. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the timelines. The timelines. <laughs> I feel like I stress it's about the timelines a lot with Resistance. Well, it's it's closing in. It's closing I mean, in, and I wouldn't be surprised though if if the whole Poe going to Jakku actually gets pushed off. Um, not pushed off, just delayed a little bit based off of what he finds out from Kaz. But I don't know because at the start of The Force Awakens, he doesn't – I don't know. I don't know what I'm I I'm not that well-versed in my memory about the Poe comic either, which I know Dang. covers this, this timeline specifically in regards to what Poe knows. So I probably need to brush up on that knowledge a little bit more, especially just given what we know about like the state of the First Order and the state of the Resistance, that um, it would be fun to reread that, at least the beginning of it or, you know, just those parts. Um, but... I don't really think they're going to push that back that much. I think this is it. I don't think they would have traded BB-8 if, I don't know, BB-8's like a core piece of Kaz's characterization, I feel like. And now we have a whole new droid and it has to serve a function for that transfer to happen. It would be weird if if like Poe comes back with BB-8 and they like switch again. I don't mean, I don't think that'll happen. I just think if they build in a little bit more time, like if... I don't know, we see like a communicate between Kaz and Leia and Poe and, and mm-hmm. Poe, Kaz is like, I thought you were going to Jakku. And he's like, I was, but I, you know, after what I heard, I had to come back and like tell General Organa in person or whatever mm-hmm. it is. So like things have been pushed back. And then maybe you even hear Leia in the back be like, well, now we need Luke Skywalker more than ever. Like you need to go now, Poe. Mm-hmm. That'd be such a good scene. What do you think is next for Kaz in his story, not necessarily his character, but like, what do you think is the next obstacle that he has to go through? I don't know. I guess, I mean, he's going to have to be dealing with Hosni and Prime. Um, mm-hmm. They give us that that total parallel quote to the end of Princess Leia of Alderaan, where, what does Kaz say at the end of the episode? He says, whatever happened out there, could anyone could be next. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's him. He's next. Um, which is such a parallel to the end of Princess Leia Princess Leia of Alderaan, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, where she says something to the effect at the end of the book of like, nothing could ever harm Alderaan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, mm, that hurts. 
Oof, that one that one hurt a lot. That one hurt a lot. Too. <laughs> a lot. This hurt this hurts a lot too. That's how I know I care about cats so much cuz this hurts just as much. Um mm-hmm. and that's I think that's what's going to be next and it's we've been tracking with Kaz's um maturity and growth throughout this whole season of discovering what the first order is really about and where he stands in that whole fight and that like he really is on the precipice now of all of it um because he's seen just how intense the destruction can be and he has this tangible reminder of it because even though the kids from Tehar were there and they told him it's, you know, seeing is believing, which is kind of the antithesis of what the force is, right? And we do mm-hmm. all of that with like Churit and Kanan, Kanan, bleh, Kanan? Kanan in Rebels, that whole, you know, kind of the opposite of seeing is believing. But with Kaz, it really is seeing is believing when he sees those planets. And maybe he doesn't make the connection that it's Tehar now, but he will. And he has both the kids and now the toy and he's seen it himself. And it's coming for his home planet. The question, my question is, is he going to know before it happens? Mm-hmm. And he can't stop it. I feel like this this episode was maybe not entirely, but I think you can think about it through this lens. It, it, it really was Kaz's catalyst to being kind of his most independent he's ever been. I think that that moment at the end of the episode where he's kind of looking off with CB23, it really does give you the sense that he now is the one with the most knowledge on the Colossus of what's to come, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. I mean, Kaz is a character that is clumsy and, you know, <laughs> um, has a lot to learn, but he is the one right now that I think is going to solve everything that he needs to solve and be faced with so much destruction and sadness. Yeah. And I think that you get that sense at the end of the episode a lot. And that brings up a good question, though, of what is success for Kaz, given the timeline, given that Hosnian Prime is coming up, given that the resistance itself is in a state of total failure at the end of The Last Jedi. Maybe Kaz will provide some sort of, I think he has to in order for the story to work. He will provide some sort of vital information to the resistance that will help them and maybe kind of play into the Force Awakens that we don't really know in a new surprising way. Mm, But I do think that there will be something that um, kind of validates his character and his mission. Ends it on a high note. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if like the season needs to end on a high note. That's not really how Star Wars rolls. <laughs> but what did they, what but did they I, say? I, I don't know. Some some people say that Star Wars is tragedy. Some, some. Um, but <laughs> I I feel like Kaz needs to like his mission will have to matter somehow to the resistance, and I'll be interested to see how they present that because it will happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it already has mattered in a big way, telling Poe about the fleet. And getting them out mm-hmm. to, you know, Tehar, presumably. Um, but I think you're right. There there will be something else. And it will be interesting to see how how and how and when specifically the season ends. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I have I have a weird thing I want to float by you. Oh boy. Okay, so I was watching Star Wars Explained. I love Alex and Molly's, Molly's videos, by the way, guys, if you ever want to check them out. there's He's really great at covering a lot of great canon basis. Um, but I wanted to float by you something that he brought up, which he has a theory that the, the planet that Poe and Kaz went to, the destroyed planet, is 
what is presented in Ray's vision in The Force Awakens with um, the Knights of Ren. Ooh. Because he thinks that the temple can be seen in the background of that vision. It lines up. The lighting is but very it's similar. Raining. Yeah, the lighting is very similar. Yeah, it's like it's it's a pretty good theory, and I thought it would be really cool. I just don't really know how how it fits into Kylo and Ray's story in the way that that whole scene is supposed to be constructed. Hmm. So I, I I just thought I'd float that by you because I thought it was cool. That is a really cool theory. What it, most people have thought it's before like the temple that he burns down when he's with Luke. Mm-hmm. That's been a theory I've seen. I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess if. If it is Tehar that we see in The Force Awakens, I don't know if it really matters what planet it is for the connection slash vision to still work between Rey and Kylo. You know what I mean? Mm Because we've always thought about that theory that there's the theory that, one, that they see each other, they actively see each other in the vision and that they've been seeing each other for like a long time. In different mm-hmm. visions. So I think, like, if that's true, then it could wor- – like, that theory still works no matter what the planet is that they're on in the vision, whether it's Tehar or someplace else. It would be cool if it was Tehar, though. See, the thing that holds me up about that is because that's the only piece of that vision that doesn't have a context. Um, and we always kind of had theorized that that would come into play in Episode nine. So it was like almost we had probably never seen that part of the vision yet and we'll just get there somehow um, and not necessarily go in the past. Hmm. I don't know if so. I think we'll really see the vision, that particular vision play out in episode nine. I think that'll be like something that's just kind of never explained. <laughs> Person- personally, I don't I don't think they'll ever like definitively say like, yes, it's Sehar. No, it's Sehar. Or yes, it's this other planet. Classic Star Wars. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, Star Wars. But I think I think that's a really interesting theory, though. And and I think I think if it is Tehar, it's something that will definitely come out next year <laughs> in like mm-hmm. a comic or further in Resistance or something like that. Once once the sequel trilogy is closed up. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah. Okay, well, let's jump into part three. We've kind of already been talking about Kaz, but let's talk a little bit more about him. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. All right, welcome to part three, where we're talking about characters. And we already started talking about Kaz, but let's talk about him a little bit more because I love him so much, and I know you do too. I thought that this episode, (laughs) I don't know, I... I really loved Kaz's characterization in this episode, and I found myself being really glad that he, like, isn't good with a blaster. I don't know. It was – I don't know. I kind of liked knowing that he wasn't this super ruthless person, but he was still able to get the job done. I don't really know how to describe it. No, I love that. I totally agree with that. I felt kind of – there's something about Kaz that, like, makes me feel kind of safe. and Maybe that's yeah. weird. But I think that it – and it's not – it is a relatability factor, but I think it's a really good type of hero that Star Wars is presenting. It's not someone who is just like automatically picks up a blaster and is really good with it. It's someone who has to learn and isn't necessarily good in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've been talking – we always kind of make fun of Kaz and, and the people around him, rather, I guess I should say, for the fact that they just kind of hand him things and then walk away and then are surprised when he messes up. Um 
But I, I don't know. This episode, I found myself being like, wow, I'm glad that I'm worried if he's going to vaporize his foot. You know? <laughs> like, I, I'm kind of happy about it. I don't really know how to explain it, but I am. Um, I thought this episode was great to see just how much like gumption Kaz really has for what he's doing. Like just from the beginning of the episode of seeing him trying so hard to contact Poe and, you know, inferring that he has been trying so hard to contact Poe and he just hasn't been able to get there yet. But man, oh man, has he been trying. Mm-hmm. I just feel really bad for Kaz because I really do feel like he has this big weight on his shoulders as the spy for the resistance. And I feel like he has almost no one to turn to. And I think that we see this kind of humor mechanism come out where he just is, he's, it's getting harder and harder for him to um, cover his story and cover his tracks. And I just, I, I want someone else besides Yeager to be in on his resistance background because I feel like soon he's going to explode. And I I just I, I just feel bad for him. I feel like he's alone. I feel like he doesn't he clearly doesn't really have the best relationship with his parents. We haven't heard from them in a while and we know what's coming. And I just I feel like it's just I, I don't know, I can't help but feel this ticking time bomb about Kaz and it makes me feel this like sense of pity a little bit. See, I don't, I don't really have that perception of Kaz. I don't know if he would describe it that way. I think he's anxious, certainly, about what's happening. I don't know if I would say that he feels alone um, because I think he, I think he likes what he's doing, even if it is stressful. And I think this mm-hmm. point in the season is where it's kind of becoming not a game. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. kind of been the whole point of his of his character journey. But I think he's, I think he did the best lie in this episode that he's done all season at the end with Tam when he's like, oh, I talked it underneath. Like, maybe it had some repairs. This is the replacement droid. Like, he didn't stumble over that at all. Um, I was like, whoa, Kaz. Good lie. Good yeah. lie, Kaz. I know. It's a lie. weird thing to be complimenting him on. Um, but I think that he – I think he's really – I don't know, come into his own in the last, like, two episodes and, and really in this episode um, from just how – it, I don't know. I feel like this is like the best of Kaz from his gumption as a spy to the ways that he still messes up. Um, but to seeing – I think you're right though. Like there is this weight on his shoulders that is definitely going to to be a burden. I think we'll see that a lot in the next episode now that he's come back with this knowledge of what happened out there. And it is kind of – when you were talking, it made me think about how when you said like I wish there was someone else who knew besides the Jaeger. And I think you're right because I think – you and I at the start of the season would have thought that Jaeger would have been a much bigger part of this season than he has actually turned out to be. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I guess that kind of heartbreak comes from him having to say goodbye to BB-8, which was his yeah, that's, buddy yeah. throughout the entire – like it was his his – BB-8 was his phone to the Resistance. BB-8 comes with experience of being with the Resistance, and now he is without that. I think he has CB-23, but she is not the same as BB-8 and doesn't know everything that BB-8 has seen and has seen Kaz's character develop. I feel like Mm -hmm. BB-8 has been witness to what we always talk about with Kaz and his ability to grow. And because of that, I I felt like he is now perhaps more alone than he, than he ever was. Yeah, definitely agree on that front. Yeah. But I don't I don't know if I don't necessarily I'm not like <clears throat> over here like crying over Kaz um <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and think that he's like helpless. I don't think that at all. I just I I do think that there's kind of a deeper emotional thing going on with Kaz than maybe the show is letting on. <laughs> yeah, well, it kind of it reminds me of what happened with Sonara. You and I definitely thought that there was going to be a lot more emotional angst with what was happening with Sonara when he found out that she was actually a pirate. But that kind of that was kind of glossed over pretty quickly. I feel like um, in the show they didn't really dwell too much on that. So I think that this because I think you're right. I mean, he was definitely sad to give up BB-8, but then. It's like BB-8 wasn't super sad to leave Kaz. He was like, well, it's been great, buddy. And like hops on over to Poe. He's like, whoa. <laughs> the, the, the dynamic duo are back again. But I think Poe definitely feels that – or Kaz definitely feels it a lot more than BB-8 does. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. There's like a lot more going on than perhaps this show is telling us or like there should be a lot more going on that we're seeing that the show just kind of probably doesn't have time for, unfortunately. But – Let's talk about Tam because this is a really interesting little tidbit at the end of the episode of how viscerally angry she was with Jaeger. I know. That was interesting. It was a little shocking, not going to lie. Yeah, these past two episodes have revealed something about Tam to me that I didn't know existed. And she really does have this like spit of anger beneath her. Mm -hmm. And it's not for a you know, a, no reason. I think that all of these, all of her frustrations against Yeager, um because of Kaz, I think are warranted in this way. But I was surprised by that. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's 100% warranted and you know where she's coming from, especially that last line at the end where, you know, Yeager is like, there are just some things like you don't understand, Tam. And Tam is like, yeah, because you won't give me the opportunity to understand them, but I'm just expected to be okay with whatever is going on here. And you're like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, but it's mm-hmm. just the fact that they ended on that and it has been this undercurrent throughout the entire season thus far. And it's kind of come to a head, particularly in the last three episodes with, you know, all of her conversations about the Empire when she finds out about the kids from Tehar, like living underneath the floorboards essentially in the engine room. I just, I wonder if like she'll in her anger inadvertently expose Kaz or like be pushed so far where like she still doesn't really think the First Order is that bad and she like blurts out something that perhaps she'll regret later on. I think that I could totally see that happening. I really can. Yeah. There's there's a lot of discussion about what happens if Tam is the First Order spy. What do you think about that theory, Caitlin, that perhaps Tam is the First Order spy? I I don't really think Tam is the First Order spy. I mean, I know that I'm I'm on the like Nico is the First Order spy train. Um, but I think seriously that there is no First Order spy like you do. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't know. It definitely would be a red herring if Tam turned out to be the First Order spy because she's just shown like genuine anger. She hasn't shown I mean, she has shown suspicion of Kaz and what Jaeger's doing, but it's been more out of annoyance and anger rather than, like, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. She's just, like, really frustrated that, like, that's what's been coming up all season is her frustration with Jaeger for seemingly favoring Kaz over her and not telling her anything about it. Yeah. The thing that's weird is that I do think that Tam has a little bit of a motive for 
being uh like being recruited by the first order like i could totally see them actually walking this line which is interesting right you have tam who says that her grandfather was almost was basically forced into taking a job with the empire because he needed to put food on the table mm-hmm. we know tam has kind of struggled with money and been kind of down on her luck since she just has really wanted to be an ace pilot and She's been she's witnessed her friend Hype Faison completely succeed and while she has not. And um so here she is, she has a lot of money issues, right? We know this. And she's working in the junkyard and she's frustrated in the junkyard. But she could be offered she could have been offered some position from the first order. I mean, we don't know, to spy for a certain sum of money that would allow her to finish and build her racer Mm. and kind of complete her dream and it would just be a short-term assignment and she would just kind of knock that out because maybe the first order has suspicions about yeager who was previously part of the rebellion which i think is pretty much known yeah i think that's a really good theory i think that would just kind of change the conversation that she hasn't always been the first order spy it's been a very recent Mm -hmm. development um, I totally think that's plausible, though, and I think I kind of forgotten about her wanting to be an ace pilot before and how someone else kind of got that glory and not her. So you're right. She has kind of been beaten down, and this is just kind of the final straw, everything that's happening with Yeager and Kaz. So I, I definitely think that's a possibility. Um, but like you said, it would be a short-term assignment, something that has only happened very recently. So it's not it's not like with my theory with Niku, right, that these, these quote-unquote seeds have kind of been planted throughout the entire season, whereas with mm-hmm. Tam, it, it was <laughs> quote-unquote or actually quote seeds of – of suspicion about Niku. Um, whereas with Tam, I think it would be something that would have been born out of her frustration and then an anger, justified anger, and then the First Order kind of coming in at just the perfect time to manipulate that. I mean, it would really kind of underscore this whole theme that Star Wars has continuously presented of, are you a bad person if you work mm-hmm. for the wrong side? Um, is it your actions or is it your allegiances? And I, I, I don't know. I think that yeah. I don't know what I believe. I, uh, I've said many times in the show, I don't think there is a first order spy. But if you follow that line of logic, it makes sense. Maybe Tam does have the most motivations to be the first order spy of anyone that we've seen on the show so far. Yeah, it would be interesting if there was, you know, if Kaz gets sent to the Colossus at the start of the show to kind of suss out a First Order spy, but there doesn't actually end up being a First Order spy. But in the process of being there, he, one, forms these relationships with the people around him and ends up finding out a whole lot about the First Order as they slowly take over the Colossus. And just when he thinks that, okay, it's not really about the spy anymore, it's about the First Order, like there is no spy for the First Order, like the First Order is here. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Then it turns out that inadvertently there wasn't a spy at the start, but now there is, and it's Tam. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be a really interesting plot twist. I think you bring up a lot of good points about that, um, that one, she does have a lot of motivation, and it does really tie into these bigger themes that they've really been exploring in Resistance um, with someone like Doza, even with him being a part of the Empire, and Tam has brought it up in the last couple of episodes too. I think that'd be a really interesting turn and really fit in nicely with some of the things they've kind of sewed throughout this first season. 
Mm-hmm. I just kind of keep thinking about, I think Tracy Kenobio tweeted that things get really emotional for Tam in the later part of the season. Mm. And I'm just kind of waiting for that moment. And maybe it already happened. Maybe that's what she was talking about. But I, <laughs> I feel like we're building to something big with Tam and I'm just like continuously trying to figure out what it is because I keep wanting more Tam. Yeah, I agree. Um, because what not it in the what we saw of the season finale trailer when Kaz is running around with his emo hair? Isn't he with Tora? Yes, I think so. Yeah, so it is kind of like where's Tam? And I wonder then if like she spills the beans about Kaz out of frustration, out of being in this this deal with the First Order and then they kind of take her or like bring her along even that like once she's realized, you know, the truth and that the First Order is really – is like super evil and she doesn't want to be with them anymore but they've kind of taken her and then part of what Kaz and Tora are doing is helping save her. There's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of possibilities. Our pot of water is slowly going up in temperature. We're getting literally hours away from The Force Awakens at this point. <laughs> it's a lot to take in guys we're almost at a simmer we yeah we're almost at a nice healthy simmer yeah kind of (laughs) crazy crazy all right anything else we want to talk about with characters i think that is it cool all right well i think that's going to wrap up this episode of our resistance recap um if you like what you heard you can head on over to itunes and leave us a review it helps other people find the show and give us their first order spy theories you can also find us on twitter at SkyTalkersPod or skytalkers.com we also have our personal twitter handles which are at clarity for charlotte and at caitlin plusher for me yes and i want to thank our amazing patrons Jason, Amy, Joanna, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Tracy, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Angela, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Brian, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Dominic, Megan, Kate, Ewan, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Catherine, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Brooklyn, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpa, Raru, Patrick, James, Hamsa, From a Certain Point of View, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stuart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kelsey, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Daniela, Alyssa, Rebecca, Andy, Delaney, Angela, Ali, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Jordan, Molly, Aaron, Irina, Ira Bell, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Edith, Adam, Connie, Robbie, Kirsty, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.